Hey there. My name is Aubrey Henderson. I'm a self-worth coach and professional calm in the chaos. I believe that when you're feeling stuck in your life and you can't decide on the next right step, that getting some perspective or a pep talk from someone outside of your shoes can be an absolute game changer. This podcast is that pep talk. Every week, I'll share my responses to listener questions, real life coaching sessions, and interviews about topics that you can connect with and learn from. All things that will help you to reconnect with your own self-worth and inner goodness and vision for your life so you can feel great and get shit done. Welcome to Ask Aubrey. I'm so glad you're here. Hey babes, welcome to this week's episode. So today's episode is actually a two-parter. So we have a listener question and then I am also going to include a guided meditation that I wrote for church actually and just so happens to also fit really, really nicely with the question that we're going to talk about today. So we'll start with the question. This is a question from one of you sweet humans who listens here and who also hangs out with me on Instagram, which is where I got the question in the first place. Hey, Aubrey, I saw your most recent Instagram post about feeling simultaneously like I'm too much and at the same time like I'm not enough. It hit me like a freight train. I reread it twice. I have felt this way for my whole life. The constant push and pull, don't be too affectionate, but be warm enough that people want to keep you around. Don't let people know that you need them, but make sure that they come to need you, etc., etc. So here's my thing. You seem to have overcome this. Just a edit, little editorial note. I have not fully overcome it. I like definitely am in a better place with it, but like I'm still working on it. So um, yeah, never, never have fully overcome it, but um, thank you for that. But I don't know how to be in relationships and not do this. And in parentheses, I do the too much, not enough thing in general in my life, but I notice it most and it hurts most in my relationships. That makes sense. I am afraid of losing people by being overbearing or needy or burdening them with my feelings. And I am also terrified of boring them or not giving them a reason to want to stick around. Where this leaves me is in this strange intermediary state of paralysis. So what are some tangible steps I can take to start to overcome this? How do I get better at this? I don't want to be stuck in this limbo forever. Okay, so this is a really great question. And first off, for anyone who is listening and is like, what Instagram post is this talking about? What is she referencing? So I'll share some snippets here, but, you know, I posted this to Instagram on, what was the date? Uh, May 2nd, uh, 2020. Uh, if you want to go reference back, but I will tell you about the post here. So I posted, um, and it basically begins with me asking, has anyone else ever struggled with feeling like they're both too much and somehow also not enough? Um, You know, I talk all the time about this feeling of not enough, but, you know, alongside that fear and that unworthiness, um, I have also, and I talk about my own experience, simultaneously felt afraid of being too much. So it's not simply being not enough, being unworthy, being less than what you need to be. It's also being too much. Okay, so, you know, some examples I give are like being too loud, being too fat, 
being too needy. That's a big one I hear from you all all the time is this fear of being too needy, um, too angry, too sexual, too emotional, too serious. Um, and, you know, this fear of being too much. And of course, we don't want to be too much of anything, right? Um, and so we're, we don't want to be too much. We're also afraid of being not enough, right? So obviously this like leaves us in a bit of a conundrum and we're going to always kind of be in search of the perfect balance, right? Of like, okay, let me not be too much, but let me also not go too far in the other direction and be not enough. Like, let me be the exact right amount of enough and figure out what that is, which of course it it's impossible. There is no perfect formula. There is no perfect amount of any quality that you can be to, you know, magically feel worthy. And so, you know, I talk a little bit about what really changed things for me, which was accepting the fact that like I am too much of something or not enough of something by someone else's standard. Like there are like there are people in this world for whom I am too loud. I'm pretty loud, but like there there are people out there and it's definitely true. It's not what if I'm too loud. I am too loud for somebody or I am too confident for somebody or I am not thin enough for somebody else's standards, right? And so it's kind of about realizing that that is true. And so what if it is true, right? That's kind of the the general vibe of the post. Um, and then I share a quote from Melody Beatty because I'm a huge fangirl for Melody Beatty, which only the folks listening who are in the like, 12-step recovery codependency world will know who Melody Beatty is. She's an author really well known in the like Hazelden 12-step recovery space. She wrote a really famous book called Codependent No More, also The Language of Letting Go. She's great. I quote her all the time, but I included a Melody Beatty quote here. And the quote is, even if the most important person in your world rejects you, you are still real and you are still okay. So I'm going to read that again. Even if the most important person in your world rejects you, you are still real and you are still okay. Okay, so that was the post that this person is referencing. And so back to the question, this person is basically saying, okay, Aubrey, this resonated with me. I struggle with this actively now and it is painful and I don't want to anymore. So how do I fix it? Which, fair. Fair. Yes. So I think about this balance that we try to strike between being too much and being not enough as sort of like a tightrope that you're always walking, right? You're trying to to balance very precariously between two extremes and not fall too far in either direction, okay? And in reality, I know very little about walking a tightrope, y'all. I've never done it literally only metaphorically. But my guess is that it takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of fucking it up to actually get good at it, to be able to balance, to be able to not fall on your ass. And then when you get really, really good at it and it kind of becomes second nature and you can hop up there and it's no big deal, it still requires kind of muscles in your body you didn't even know you had. And then you, you know, feel sore and exhausted after. It is not easy even when we get really good at it, it's not easy and it's still exhausting. It's still hard work, right? And so, you know, trying to walk this fine line between, you know, being 
too needy versus not warm enough or too slutty versus being not attractive or sexual enough or being too weird and quirky or being on the other side like boring or not interesting enough, right, is fucking exhausting. This is an exhausting dance to do. And it sucks the joy out of our lives and out of our relationships. And, you know, I think maybe the worst part of all of it is that we actually end up losing touch with who we actually are in the process. And what I mean by that is we are so focused on what others want us to be or what we think others want us to be. And I'll get to that in a second. But we are so focused on what others want, what we are being to others, what others are thinking, how we're showing up to other people, that we forget who we actually are. Or maybe we never even got to find that out in the first place. Maybe we have never had a good sense of who we actually are, who we actually want to be, that it's always been about what other people want us to be or what other people expect us to be, right? And so, you know, we invest an incredible amount of time and energy into walking the tightrope of too much versus not enough, trying to find this exact balance of enoughness that will suddenly make us worthy, right? But here's the thing about the tightrope. It's pretend. And not just because it's a metaphor that I'm using right now, but this whole idea of too much, of not enough, it's artificial. It's imaginary, okay? These things are standards that have been invented And they're not even the same standards from person to person is the wild thing. The standards that you have for what it looks like to be too much or not enough are different than the next person's, okay? These are completely invented concepts. And they're not like, I don't say invented to say like, you made this up out of nowhere, so like you just snap out of it. It's not that. It is a really complex cocktail of you know, societal influence and how you were parented perhaps and like what your relationships have felt like to you and how you've internalized those messages and also thoughts about that you have about yourself and, you know, all of these intersections of things, right? It's not just you making it up out of thin air, but it's, it's invented. And, you know, it's, (laughs) let me be clear about something. What I'm not going to help you do, to the person who wrote me this note, what I am not going to help you do, because you say, help me get better at this, right? And I just paused there because I looked at that sentence. And you asked me to help you get better at this. And what I'm not going to do is help you get better at walking the tightrope. The tightrope is bullshit. What I can help you do, the first thing that I think you've got to do is you've got to get yourself off of the tightrope. And of course, this is easier said than done, okay? But I think what becomes, you know, really key here is what I've talked about before. So, you know, this conversation with our our inner critic narrative, right? A co- just a couple of episodes ago, I talked about You know, how to have a conversation with your inner critic, how to regard your inner critic with some compassion and some firmness. If you haven't listened to that one, go back and listen to that one because I think it'll be helpful to anybody, but particularly the, you know, this person I'm responding to now, or if you connect with 
this letter, like go back and listen to that one. Um, because I talk a lot about how to have this conversation with your inner critic. And, you know, one of the things I talk about is that, you know, sometimes this inner critic is spouting kind of mean thoughts you have about yourself. Okay, things that you think about yourself and, you know, these narratives that come from within and that we've kind of invented, right? But sometimes they're going to repeat things that other people have actually said to you or what we think other people might say. And this is where it starts to get really wild, right? We start to, we start to anticipate what we think other people think. And it's like so many layers removed that that's why when I say like, this shit is made up, this shit is invented. It's not because you don't maybe have some evidence to support your hypothesis. It's not because you're not, you know, making an assumption that is somewhat informed. But we are kind of basing our decisions and our behaviors and how we show up in our relationships and how we do or do not kind of trust our own desires because of what we think that someone else might think. And so back to the inner critic. If we're thinking about this inner critic in my tightrope metaphor, as somebody who's never walked a tightrope in her life again, um, if we think about your inner critic, I guess in the tightrope metaphor, the inner critic is like your tightrope coach. <laughs> Are tightrope coaches real? It's, it's your tightrope coach, okay? Or you know, it's someone who's giving you notes on how to better navigate the tightrope. So if you're walking the tightrope, you're practicing and you've got someone saying, oh, you know, like, be careful, watch out, you know, don't lean too far that way. Oh, like a little steadier. It's somebody who's giving you notes on how to better navigate the tightrope, giving you kind of corrective feedback. And so what I'm suggesting that you do is you're firing this coach immediately because you're not a fucking tightrope walker anymore. So if we are abandoning the idea of the too much, not enough tightrope, if we're saying, "Mm, you know what, I think this shit is invented, it's not real, I'm not about it anymore, you are stepping down and off of it. You don't need a tightrope coach. And now I've talked about approaching your inner critic with, you know, some kindness and compassion. So you don't have to be nasty and rude, but you can say, hey, guess what, Don't don't need your notes anymore. You don't need the feedback on how you're walking the tightrope if you've decided you are no longer walking the tightrope. And so every time you have, you know, those thoughts or inner critic moments of you're to this or you're not enough of this, I want to invite you to remind that voice that you actually aren't holding yourself to that standard anymore. That you're not trying to balance, you know, not being too much and also not being not enough anymore. That these ideas, these arbitrary concepts of, you know, too much and not enough aren't actually real to you and that you're not going to spend your precious energy on balancing between them anymore. And as I say this, let me be clear about something. So other people still get to have boundaries and needs and preferences in their relationships with you. So if you're in a relationship with someone, friendship, romantic, whatever, you're in a relationship with someone and you are feeling your self-love and confidence and vulnerability moment, okay? And, you know, you're deciding that you want to FaceTime them six times a day. 
that like, okay, I know what I want. I know what I desire in this relationship. And that is to see this person's face six times every day because I just love them that much. And that is how I want to show it. And that feels good and authentic for you. Okay, great. That is great and fine. And, and if they then offer you some feedback about that, or ask that maybe you dial it back because that feels overwhelming to them. And I use kind of like a hyperbolic example just to be illustrative. I think if somebody tried to FaceTime me six six times every single day, that might feel overwhelming to me, but who knows? No one's ever tried that. Um, You know, you've still got to honor that. If they ask for something different, if they set a boundary with you, if they express a preference, you still have to honor that. That is what consent is about. That is you know, how we navigate relationships and communication in a healthy way. They are able to make their need known and it's important for you to honor that need, right? And look, this is then a conversation. So maybe it is of deal breaker importance to you that you are able to have this number of FaceTime conversations with someone you care about or are in this relationship with, okay? And maybe learning that that doesn't work for this person is is data for a decision you have to make about that relationship, So all of this to say in this idea of, you know, I'm afraid of being too needy or I'm afraid of being too loud or I'm afraid of, you know, not being affectionate enough with a partner, right? I'm thinking specifically in like romantic relationships, also in, you know, in friendships that, you know, we can decide this is who I am and this is who I want to be and I am not going to let kind of externalized pressures push and pull on me such that I'm, you know, losing touch with who I actually am and who I actually want to be. That can be true. And you still have to navigate consent in your relationships. You still have to navigate communication in your relationships. And someone else may share with you that like, hey, this thing you're doing isn't working for me. And the key there, I think, is that that's not an indictment on your worthiness. Very often, the person I am married to will tell me like, hey, dude, you're like talking a little loud right now. Can you like just like turn your volume down? She's asking for what she needs. Sometimes it's irritating to me, sure. <laughs> but she's um, she's asking me for what she needs. She's communicating her needs. And it's important that I honor and respect those. And now if she was communicating them in a different way or if she was like, hey, I can't like you can't ever talk above like this decibel level we might have a problem. But I also know and have trust that like, I know who I am. I know I'm sometimes loud. I'm an enthusiastic person. And my partner saying like, hey, this is the way I need us to interact with one another is not an indictment then on my worth. And so there's still going to be opportunity for, you know, the negotiating and communicating of our boundaries that are just a huge part of being in relationship with other people, right? But, you know, so much of this battle that I feel like you are talking about here in this letter and what I think about when I reflect on, you know, kind of my own journey with this stuff is that I'm fighting forces that are largely my own interpretations of how I've engaged with others, okay? Things that are informed by my fears, So this idea that I will be too needy and scare someone away if I tell them that I am, you know, madly in love with them and think about them all the time, even though I am, you know, carrying around this like constant ache of that information. And I 
want to tell them and it's important to me to name that for them and of course let them decide what they want to do with that information but I it's true for me and I want to name it and that is what I deeply desire and this fear has me not trusting that right it's this inner belief this decision that it would be better for me to suppress what I deeply deeply want and what I know to be true in favor of making someone else comfortable or in favor of ultimately avoiding rejection, which feels like it would be more painful than, you know, what I'm actually doing in the process, which is rejecting myself. And so what we're doing away with here is not the idea of other people's boundaries, the idea of other people's needs, okay? But what we're doing away with is fear that keeps us from trusting our own desires, our own identity in favor of keeping other people comfortable. You know, this this push and pull between too much and not enough, it keeps us, you know, in this space of like, if I can be just so, then I can keep everyone around me comfortable. And that's more important than being who I actually am. And I think, you know, another thing I mentioned briefly in my post was this this line of self-questioning you can do to kind of dig deeper on that negative self-talk. And so to use an example, I would imagine a thought like, you know, like this person is saying, what if my partner thinks I'm too needy? Okay. What if my partner thinks I'm too needy? So now what I would have you do is ask yourself some questions about that thought. So what if it's true? What if they actually do think you're too needy? Or what if you are too needy for them and their preferences, right? What does that actually mean about you? Their opinions aside, what do you think? So their opinions aside, what do you think about whether you are needy or too needy? And what is your actual standard for too needy? What does it mean to you for a person to be too needy? And you might actually not have all of the answers to these questions. And the first time you do this exercise, you probably won't. But just the exercise of asking yourself and kind of beginning to chew on these is important. And, you know, um, one of my kind of all-time favorite quick go-to practices for interrogating that negative self-talk and especially thoughts that begin with what if my immediate go-to is to counter back with okay what if so what if it's true then what and use that as an entry point to dig into it a little bit deeper right you're going to be peeling back layers you know like an onion and you're going to be really reflecting on What's actually underneath of this what if fear for you? Okay. So what if it's true that I'm too needy? My answer might be, well, I'm afraid if I'm too needy, my partner won't want to be with me because they don't want to be with a needy person. It's too much work. Okay. So if I am too needy, what does that actually mean about me? Well, and I'm answering this, y'all, from like a real place of like, these are, th- these are legitimate things. This is an example that I felt and that I thought before. So this is coming from a real place for me. So what would it actually mean about me? 
me, Aubrey, if I was too needy? Well, if I'm too needy, it means that I'm unlovable. Um, It means that I'm fundamentally broken. It means that being with me is too much work. That's what it would mean if I'm too needy. And the act of saying those things out loud and hearing yourself say them or seeing yourself write them down is powerful, right? I think somebody listening to this might be like, damn, like that's an intense thing to think. Like if I'm too needy, then I'm unlovable and I'm broken fundamentally. But that's a belief that's living under there. And so you're bringing it out into the open with this exercise, right? And your answer might be different than mine. And that's fine. It, it probably should be. Um, and then asking, you know, my partner's opinion aside, what do I think about myself, about my neediness? Am I too needy? Do I believe that? I think for me, I believe that I think I need a lot of affection and explicit validation and that words of affirmation are important to me. That's what I really believe separate from this particular instance, this particular partner. Okay, so that's kind of how that how that exercise plays out. And I like to have these conversations verbally with myself, either in podcast form or, you know, in the bathroom in the morning when I'm putting my makeup on or at night when I'm taking my makeup off. Maybe writing works better for you. I know, you know, this also is, feels like a pretty intimate exercise. And right now in this current moment, we are, you know, you might be in close proximity with other people. So maybe uh, talking to yourself isn't a thing that feels comfortable. And that's fine. You can do this in writing. Um, but really, you know, to summarize kind of what I've talked about, the big steps here for this person that you're going to want to take if you want to end this kind of tightrope dance between feeling like you're always too much or not enough, if you want to end this dance that you're doing or start to kind of build new practices, build new habits, shift your mindset around this, right? Ways that you can begin to do that, really there are three things that I've talked about here. So one is realizing that the tightrope itself is fake, and that you can just hop down off of it, right? Realizing that the tightrope is invented. It's kind of an arbitrary concept. And it is kind of from this soup that you've lived in of societal influence, of your relationships, of your upbringing and your childhood and your beliefs about yourself. But that it's not anything that's concrete or based in fact about you or about your worth. So recognizing that the tightrope itself is invented and that you can hop down off of it, okay? The second one is, again, the concept of talking back to your inner critic. So jump back a few episodes ago. There's an entire episode about how to have a conversation with your inner critic, how to kind of conceptualize your inner critic and, you know, what their purpose is, what they exist for. So go back and listen to that if you need more help with that. And then number three is, you know, noticing the fear or the negative self-talk. So what if I'm too blank or not blank enough? And then asking follow-up questions to dig deeper. Okay, follow-up questions like, so what if I am? What would that actually mean about me? You know, their opinions aside, what do I believe about myself? What do I believe is true? What are my standards? And what do I need? What do I want? So try these out. And really, I do 
hope that these are helpful because I know this tightrope well. Walked it for a long time. Occasionally jump back up there on my bad days. And thankfully, I'm able to realize like, oh, fuck this. I'm not doing this. But that shit is exhausting. And you don't have to live up there. You don't. And you deserve better. So I really hope this is helpful. Okay, we are going to take a moment to pause for a quick ad. And then I'm going to be back with a guided meditation. Begin by finding a comfortable physical position, whatever that means for you. I prefer my back against a chair, my feet flat on the floor. If you want to lie down, I'm in full support of that too. And I like to place my hands on my thighs with my palms facing up and open. If you're lying down, you can place your hands at your sides in the same way. Once you're comfortable, close your eyes. And as you begin to settle in your body, really tune into your breath. And slowly begin to inhale deeply through your nose and then exhale through your mouth. Inhaling through the nose and exhaling through your mouth. If you'd like, you can place your hands on your belly or on your heart. I like to place a hand on both and really feel the breath as it fills your body. These are also two of the most tender parts of you, your heart, your soft belly. So rest your hands gently here and notice the ways that your breath changes when you're more aware and intentional about your breathing. Now, as we breathe here, you may notice your mind wandering. As I say, it's the nature of the mind to wander. This is okay and normal. You are not bad at meditation because your mind wanders. Notice it without judgment. It can be tempting for us to indulge and believe in our false self. The critical thoughts that we have about ourselves, the fear of being unworthy, of not being enough, or of being too much. It's easy to accept those thoughts as truth. It's easy to accept our intrusive thoughts, even as we sit in a meditation practice that is designed to help us center and pause for ourselves. I invite you to imagine yourself, mind, body, and spirit, as a tree. Your feet 
flat on the floor, the backs of your legs against your seat. Imagine these as your roots. These are grounding you, helping you to feel strong and connected to the earth below you. Imagine that the rest of your physical body is the trunk of the tree. Solid, steady, your physical connection to the world around you, to material reality. And finally, imagine that your thoughts, your mind, are the branches and leaves of the trees. Those positive qualities, character traits, things you love about yourself, the things that make you unique and beautiful. These are all their own branches and leaves. They're expansive, colorful, and ever-changing based on the season, the environment around you. Breathe deeply as you imagine this in through your nose and out through your mouth. Now back to our intrusive thoughts, that inner critic. The practice today is about refusing to identify with these thoughts, not to expect that we'll stop having them. So if we are trees and our thoughts are the branches and the leaves, imagine each intrusive thought, each negative self-belief, the voice of your inner critic as a bird landing on a branch. Notice the bird as it lands. It might stay for a moment. It might hop from branch to branch, might eat a bite of fruit or peck at a leaf. We let it visit without judgment. It's okay to allow these birds as visitors to our tree. But what we aren't going to do is allow this bird to nest here. It will not be allowed to make a permanent home here. These inner critic voices, these intrusive thoughts, these false beliefs about ourselves are a natural part of life, but they don't need to take up residence as a permanent part of our tree. We can dismiss them when they've overstayed their welcome. Take a moment to breathe in through your nose, filling yourself down through the trunk of your body and down into your roots where your feet meet the floor, grounding yourself. And exhale, releasing energy upward into the branches and leaves of your mind. Continue to breathe as I read a poem by Rainer Maria Rilke 
imagining your rootedness as you listen. How surely gravity's law, strong as an ocean current, takes hold of even the smallest thing and pulls it toward the heart of the world. Each thing, each stone, blossom, child, is held in place. Only we, in our arrogance, push out beyond what we belong to for some empty freedom. If we surrendered to Earth's intelligence, we could rise up rooted like trees. Instead, we entangle ourselves in knots of our own making and struggle lonely and confused. So, like children, we begin again to learn from the things because they are in God's heart. They have never left him. This is what the things teach us, to fall patiently, to trust our heaviness. Even a bird has to do that before he can fly. Mm. These words remind us of these knots of our own making, the ways we become entangled in our false self in the words of our inner critic, a world that tells us we are too much of one thing or not enough of another. If we surrendered to Earth's intelligence, we could rise up rooted like trees. Focus again on your breathing, inhaling deeply through your nose and exhaling through your mouth. And as you sit, bring your attention one last time to your roots, your connection with the earth. Inhaling into the place where your legs meet your chair, where your feet meet the floor. Pay attention to this feeling of rootedness, grounding, and stability. Know that you can return to this feeling anytime. Know that you are firmly rooted, stable, worthy, and whole, exactly as you are right now. To fall, patiently to trust our heaviness, even a bird has to do that before he can fly. Rest here for a few moments, taking a few more deep breaths. When you're ready, bring your consciousness back to the room by wiggling your fingers and toes softly, gently tilting your head from side to side and softly opening your eyes. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you loved it, please take a second to subscribe on your favorite platform, leave a rating or a review, 
and take a screenshot and share it on social media or with a friend who needs to hear a message like this one. I love the chance to hear from you and connect with you because it gives me the opportunity to remind you that you are worthy, worthy of wholeness and happiness and just good things. So send me the question or the topic that's keeping you up at night or that you just want to hear more about. You can send me a voice memo at anchor.fm slash Aubrey Henderson, and I can actually include any voice memos that you send me in the show, which I think is pretty rad. Or you can send a good old-fashioned written message from my website at aubreyhenderson.com. I'll see you next time, babes.